This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Demystifying Data Podcast. My name is Chris Clegg, and uh, today I am excited to share with you some thoughts related to developing a benchmarking database, and why as an organization would you want to do that, and where can you expect getting value from that, and exactly what is that value, and how to deploy it, or use it, or have it be actionable in a way that's going to help you make better business decisions. And I'm going to suggest at this point for this episode, I'm going to suggest there are two that we'll only cover. And it it has to do with designing a winning campaign is one of them. And how do you use a benchmarking database to find the right consumers? And how do you use it to deal with the event size versus event frequency trade-off that many experiential marketers are constantly having to decide? And then after we talk about designing a winning campaign, I want to I want to share with you how a benchmarking database is going to make it easier for you to sell to stakeholders. And when I say sell, I don't just mean an agency selling to a brand a campaign idea. I also mean a brand team selling to procurement or up through the ranks selling an idea as well. And how do we use benchmarking to differentiate your idea from the other possible ideas that stakeholders could choose from? but also how to demonstrate the value that could be recognized with the money being spent because benchmarking can do all of this. So let's dive into the first one. And it has to do with designing a winning campaign and and finding the right consumer. So the best predictor of the future is the past. We know that. And when we can plan based on a well-organized set of data that benchmarks this history, then we can create a campaign that'll get it right more often from the start. So you're moving your marketing downriver faster when you're developing a campaign that is based off of a good archived database of the past. And a benchmarking database is an excellent tool to do that because it's going to allow you to project and exceed the expectation of the stakeholders, whoever that may be for you. So it starts with being able to find the right consumers. So marketing is about creating a compelling message and and delivering that message to the consumer target most ready to hear it. We've talked about this idea of message to market match in other episodes. This is why brands develop consumer profiles. And as a marketer, your program will deliver when it reaches the right consumer. It's really in many cases that simple. And so the idea of message to market match starts with identifying the best places to reach the right type of people. And when you have access to a benchmarking database that has archived this from historical performance, you can evaluate how different venue types trend for different demographic profiles, different age, different gender, different different lifestyle matches. So for example, if you're developing an adult beverage campaign with messaging designed to appeal to men over the age of 45, should you focus on on on-premise, which would be bars, clubs, etc.? Or would you focus off-premise activations like grocery or liquor store? And so you might consult your benchmarking database and review the venue type by gender and age. And you would see that on-premise tends to skew female, if it's not a 50-50 mix, and tends to skew younger. Whereas off-premise tends to skew more men and older generations. And so with this information in hand, you can develop 
an off-premise heavy campaign strategy, and you can defend your decisions to stakeholders based on the volume of data that you're, you're benchmarking those decisions off of. It'll get you to the target more often the first time and therefore moves things downriver faster and will generate a stronger overall campaign. So what about the trade-off of event size versus event frequency? And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about number of event days when I talk about event frequency. So we know big events are expensive. They often come with hefty venue fees or over-promised high impressions, and they can deliver more intercepts because of the greater foot traffic. So on the other hand, street intercepts and some retail activations, they're more nimble, they're much less expensive, and they bring a reliable level of foot traffic, be it less, with some consumer targeting capabilities. So when you're thinking about these two, every experiential marketer knows that there's a struggle. And when you're designing a campaign, you've got to figure out between the smaller street intercept activation days versus the larger destination activation days like state fairs or or sporting events. And so the question is, should the smart marketer do smaller, less expensive street intercepts or pay those venue fees to attend the state fair? And that smart marketer, might also think about focusing on a middle option or consider a music festival, for example. And a good benchmarking database will answer the question for you. It'll answer that question specifically. And the answer would have to do, will always have to do with this trade-off between efficiencies and costs. So let me give you some examples. So let's say you, you consult your benchmarking database and you find out that a state fair within a particular product category at a particular product price point or within one market versus another, you might find that it's going to average 880 engagements per day at an average cost of $7,500 per day. And so you narrow that down and you, you, you standardize it to $8.52 per engagement, $8.52 per engagement. And the retail intercept, it actually might not be all that different because you might see that you're having an average of 144 engagements per day and it's a typical cost of maybe $12.50 per day. And when you do that math, you realize that those engagements at retail are costing you about $8.68 per engagement. But that middle ground, that music festival in our example here, the benchmarking database might report to you that the music festivals, they're averaging around 610 engagements per day, typical costs of $4,200 or $6.88 per engagement. So almost a full $2 less per engagement. So long as that venue fits demographically, what I was talking about earlier, so long as it's the right demographic fit for for the consumer target, then the music festival might be your most efficient option. And, And we're not saying you should focus exclusively on music festivals, but in this scenario, you should probably go heavy with that activation type as much as that activation type's available to you. And so this is just an example of how a good benchmarking database or this archive of your historical data in a centralized location that you can work with, how that's going to allow you to explore different types of venues. It's going to allow you to explore the quality versus quantity, quantity versus efficiency type of decisions you have to make. And it's going to be a a venue research tool that allows you to discover routing plans and a data-driven strategy that's going to deliver the best outcome for for your client, for your stakeholders, for the people you're you're delivering it to. So you're using data to make smarter decisions and develop a winning campaign. And so those two areas of how I think we can design winning campaigns with well-organized data, really finding the right consumers and then dealing with this event size versus event frequency trade-off problem. 
Now, the second question is, well, a second value that you can get from this database is the idea of selling to stakeholders. How do you share with people the evidence that things are going to work? And that really boils down to two different things. One is you want to differentiate your campaign versus the other options and also demonstrate that value. And then those are slightly different in how they're done. So we got to start by saying, you know, accepting that we're always selling. It doesn't matter if we're a brand manager talking to a VP or if you're an agency director talking to a brand, brand client, you know, you need to demonstrate that your reasoning is sound and that your plan is positioned for success. So how do we do that by differentiating ourselves? So you might be competing internally for resources. You know, I've watched internal brand, public relations and experiential teams fight it out in more than one Fortune 500 over marketing budgets. And you need to be able to help demonstrate, regardless of which side of that debate you might be on, whether you're on the public relations side or the experiential side, you need to be able to demonstrate that you have a unique plan in place so that it's uniquely crafted. You might be responding to an RFP. You might be one of three agencies that are there for final consideration. Either way, there needs to be a point at which you can differentiate yourself. So a benchmarking database, it supports this process like any other data source supports a decision-making process. It's, it's good data analyzed and interpreted and presented correctly as a part of any proposal that builds confidence and trust among stakeholders. And it's that, it's that confidence and trust that'll cause your plan to stand out. You know, trust comes from your ability to demonstrate the due diligence, to show the logic and where that came from. And it also comes from your willingness to be accountable. So, so when you present projected outcomes with your marketing plan, you're communicating to stakeholders that you are accountable. You're defining what is success. You're drawing a line in the sand and you're saying, this is the criteria for success. This is how we'll know it worked. And, you know, for a lot of people, that can be very scary. You need to be confident in yourself. You need to be confident in your team that you're going to be able to live up to those expectations. And this willingness is sadly lacking in most pitches. It's lacking for a variety of reasons. But your benchmarking database will allow you to kind of step outside of that cluster of regulars and differentiate you and your your marketing ideas and differentiate that from the other options that you're you're competing with. And so it really boils down to using the benchmark to set a criteria for success and therefore allowing yourself to be vulnerable because you're showing confidence and willing to be accountable in how the marketing is going to perform. And a good benchmarking database is going to allow you to do that with confidence because regardless of how much you understand statistics or understand the reasons why, the sampling theory and how it works, the reality is that the best predictor of the future is the past. And when you can organize that past in a way that is that is data-driven, then you can accurately predict with predictable ranges the performance of future activity. And that's where the benchmarking is the, the heart of your ability to do that. So what about demonstrating value before money is spent? So the anxiety among stakeholders that will cause them to say no to you and yes to someone else, it has to do with, with worry that what they're spending money on is the wrong decision. And we all want to know before investing in anything that a dollar spent is going to give us more than a dollar back. And we want our evidence or we want our belief that we're going to have a positive return 
to be more than just a hunch. We want to be more. We want. We need more than a hunch. That's going to be. It's going to be feasible to get a positive return. We want some type of method or science or data that supports this idea that this is a wise investment from an ROI perspective. And that's why you having an ROI database around your marketing is going to be so valuable to you. And ROI benchmarks will do exactly this for you. They'll give you exactly these types of outcomes. Because what it does is it allows you to model out the value or the return in real dollars that you can then reasonably expect or, or the, the return that you can reasonably expect from the marketing program that you're proposing. And, and when you can model that out, and it really just becomes a spreadsheet, you, you can start to see, okay, am I, am I proposing a plan that's going to deliver a, a 1.5 to 1 return or 150% return? Or am I proposing a plan that's going to propose, a, that's, that's suggesting a 3 to 1 return or a 300% return? And you know, what are the things I can do with my plan to tweak it one way or the other? So what decisions did you make about how you configured your program that resulted in a maximized ROI? And when you can answer that and you can show that, then that value-based approach to planning becomes evident for the people you're you're sharing it with and trying to sell it to and that will build the confidence and will shorten the path to a yes to the budget and a yes to the campaign being executed and and again that that idea of coming back with an ROI showing the ROI predicting that ROI predicting whether or not it's going to be positive and why that very closely relates to this idea of accountability what we talked about before this idea of you being willing to draw a line in the sand and say this is how things are going to be. So we're big fans of benchmarking, and we're really big fans of, of benchmarking databases. And we, we do a lot of that work internally here at Portma. We encourage our clients to do the same thing. When we can, we share what we have with them. And I think it's in the best interest of you, regardless of whether you're on the agency side or the brand side, to think carefully about how you are archiving the legacy activity and how you're storing that information in a standardized way so that you can use it for designing winning campaigns and selling your ideas to stakeholders. So that's today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Certainly very grateful. If you are not a subscriber, then we'd love to have you subscribe so that you don't miss anything that we have to say. I certainly appreciate your time. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.